Chapters 1 and 2 of Essays on Work and Culture. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. Essays on Work and Culture by Hamilton Wright Maybe to henry van dyke along the slender wires of speech some message from the heart is sent but who can tell the whole that's meant our dearest thoughts are out of reach work and culture chapter one tool or man a complete man is so uncommon that when he appears he is looked upon with suspicion as if there must be something wrong about him if a man is content to deal vigorously with affairs and leave art religion and science to the enjoyment or refreshment or enlightenment of others he is accepted as strong sound and wise but let him add to practical sagacity a love of poetry and some skill in the practice of it let him be not only honest and trustworthy but genuinely religious let him be not only keenly observant and exact in his estimate of trade influences and movements but devoted to the study of some science and there goes abroad the impression that he is superficial it is written apparently in the modern and especially in the american consciousness that a man can do but one thing well if he attempts more than one thing he betrays the weakness of versatility if this view of life is sound man is born to imperfect development and must not struggle with fate he may have natural aptitudes of many kinds he may have a passionate desire to try three or four different instruments he may have a force of vitality which is equal to the demands of several vocations or avocations but he must disregard the most powerful impulses of his nature he must select one tool, and with that tool he must do all the work appointed to him. If he is a man of business, he must turn a deaf ear to the voices of art. If he writes prose, he must not permit himself the delight of writing verse. If he uses the pen, he must not use the voice. If he ventures to employ two languages for his thought, to pour his energy into two channels, the awful judgment of superficiality falls on him like a decree of fate so fixed has become the habit of confusing the use of manifold gifts with mere dexterity that men of quality and power often question the promptings which impel them to use different or diverse forms of expression as if a man were born to use only one limb and enjoy only one resource in this many-sided universe specialization has been carried so far that it has become an organized tyranny through the curiously perverted view of life which it has developed in some minds a man is permitted in these days to cultivate one faculty or master one field of knowledge but he must not try to live a whole life or work his nature out on all sides under penalty of public suspicion and disapproval if a pericles were to appear among us 
he would be discredited by the very qualities which made him the foremost public man of his time among the most intelligent and gifted people who have yet striven to solve the problems of life if michelangelo came among us he would be compelled to repress his tremendous energy or face the suspicion of the critical mind of the age it is not permitted a man in these days to excel in painting sculpture architecture and sonnet writing if in addition such a man were to exhibit moral qualities of a very unusual order he would deepen the suspicion that he was not playing the game of life fairly for there are those who have so completely broken life into fragments that they not only deny the possibility of the possession of the ability to do more than one thing well but the existence of any kind of connection between character and achievement man is not only a fragment but the world is a mass of unrelated parts religion science morals and art moving in little spheres of their own without the possibility of contact the arts were born at the foot of the altar as we are sometimes reminded but let the artist beware how he entertains religious ideas or emotions to-day to suggest that art and morals have any interior relation is in certain circles to awaken pity that one's knowledge of these things is still so rudimentary the scholar must beware of the graces of style if like the late master of belal he makes a translation so touched with distinction and beauty that it is likely to become a classic in the language in which it is newly lodged there are those who look askance at his scholarship for knowledge to be pure and genuine must be rude slovenly and barbarous in expression the religious teacher may master the principles of his faith let him beware how he applies them to the industrial or social conditions of society if he ventures to make this dangerous experiment he is promptly warned that he is encroaching on the territory of the economist and sociologist the artist must not permit himself to care for truth because it has come to be understood in some quarters that he is concerned with beauty and with beauty alone to assume that there is any unity in life any connection between character and achievement any laws of growth which operate in all departments and in all men is to discredit one's intelligence and jeopardize one's influence one field and one tool to each man seems to be the maxim of this divisive philosophy if that can be called a philosophy which discards unity as a worn-out metaphysical conception and separates not only men but the arts occupations and skills from each other by impassable gulfs versatility is often a treacherous ease which leads the man who possesses it into fields where he has no sure footing because he has no first-hand knowledge and therefore no real power and against this tendency so prevalent in this country the need of concentration must continually be urged the great majority of men lack the abounding vitality which must find a variety of channels to give it free movement but the danger which besets some men ought not to be made a limitation for men of superior strength it ought not to be used as a barrier to keep back those whose inward impulse drives them forward not in one but in many directions 
above all the limitations of a class ought not to be made the basis of a conception of life which divides its activities by hard and fast lines and tends by that process of hardening which shows itself in every field of thought or work to make men tools and machines instead of free creative forces in society a man of original power can never be confined within the limits of a single field of interest and activity nor can he ever be content to bear the marks and use the skill of a single occupation he cannot pour his whole force into one channel there is always a reserve of power beyond the demands of the work which he has in hand at the moment wherever he may find his place and whatever work may come to his hand he must always be aware of the larger movement of life which encloses his special task and he must have the consciousness of direct relation with that central power of which all activities are inadequate manifestations to a man of this temper the whole range of human interests must remain open and such a man can never escape the conviction that life is a unity under all its complexities that all activities stand vitally related to each other that truth beauty knowledge and character must be harmonized and blended in every real and adequate development of the human spirit to the growth of every flower earth sun and atmosphere must contribute in the making of a man all the rich forces of nature and civilization must have place chapter two the man in the work the general mind possesses a kind of divination which discovers itself in those comments criticisms and judgments which pass from man to man through a wide area and sometimes through long periods of time the opinion which appears at first glance to be an expression of materialism often shows upon closer study an element of idealism or a touch of spiritual discernment it is customary for instance to say of a man that he lives in his works as if the enduring quality of his fame rested in and was dependent upon the tangible products of his genius or his skill there is truth in the phrase even when its scope is limited to this obvious meaning but there is a deeper truth behind the truism the truth that a man lives in his works not only because they commemorate but because they express him they are products of his skill but they are also the products of his soul the man is revealed in them and abides in them not as a statue in a temple but as a seed in the grain and the fruit they have grown out of him and they uncover the secrets of his spiritual life no man can conceal himself from his fellows everything he fashions or creates interprets and explains him this deepest significance of work has always been divined even when it has not been clearly perceived men have understood that there is a spiritual quality even in the most material products of a man's activity and even in ruder times they have discerned the inner relation of the things which a man makes with the man himself in our time when the immense significance of this essential harmony between spirit and product has been accepted as a guiding principle in historic investigation the stray spearhead and broken potsherd are prized by the anthropologist because a past race lives in them 
the lowest and commonest kind of domestic vessels and implements disclose to the student of to-day not only the stage of manual skill which their makers had reached but also the general ideas of life which those makers held when it comes to the higher products character temperament and genius are discerned in every mutilated fragment the line on an urn reveals the spirit of the unknown sculptor who cut it in the enduring stone it has often been said that if every memorial of the greek race save the parthenon had perished it would be possible to gain a clear and true impression of the spiritual condition and quality of that race the great artists are the typical and representative men of the time and whatever is true of them is true in a lesser degree of men in general there is in the work of every great sculptor painter writer composer architect a distinctive and individual manner so marked and unmistakable as to identify the man whenever and wherever a bit of his work appears if a statue of phidias were to be found without any mark of the sculptor upon it there would be no delay in determining whose work it was no educated musician would be uncertain for a moment about a composition of wagner's if he heard it for the first time without knowledge of its source nor would a short story from the hand of hawthorne remain unclaimed a day after its publication now this individual manner and quality so evident that it is impossible not to recognize it whenever it appears is not a trick of skill it has its source in a man's temperament and genius it is the subtlest and most deep-going disclosure of his nature in so far as a spiritual quality can be contained and expressed in any form of speech known among men and all the arts are forms of speech that which is most secret and sacred in a man is freely given to the world in his work work is sacred therefore not only because it is the fruit of self-denial patience and toil but because it uncovers the soul of the worker we deal with each other on so many planes and have so much speech with each other about things of little moment that we often lose the sense of the sanctity which attaches to personality whenever it appears there come moments however when some intimate experience is confined to us and then in the pause of talk we become aware that we are in presence of a human soul behind the familiar face of our friend and that we are on holy ground in such moments the quick emotion this sudden thrill bear eloquent witness to that deeper and diviner life in which we all share but of which we rarely seem aware this perception of the presence of a man's soul comes to us when we stand before a true work of art we not only uncover our heads but our hearts are uncovered as well here is one who through all his skill speaks to us in a language which we understand but which we rarely hear a great work of art not only liberates the imagination but the heart as well for it speaks to us more intimately than our friends are able to speak and that reticence which holds us back from perfect intercourse when we look into each other's faces vanishes a few lines read in the solitude of the woods or before the open fire often kindle the emotion and imagination which slumber within us in companionship with the greatest minds our shyness vanishes 
we not only take but give with unconscious freedom when we reach this stage we have reached the man who lives not only by but in the work and whose innermost nature speaks to us and confides in us through the form of speech which he has chosen the higher the quality of the work the clearer the disclosure of the spirit which fashioned it and gave it the power to search and liberate the plays of sophocles are in many ways the highest and most representative products of the greek literary genius they show the genius at the moment when all its qualities were in harmony and perfectly balanced between the spiritual vision which it formed of life and the art form to which it commits the precious and impalpable possession one of the distinctive qualities of these plays is their objectivity their detachment from the moods and experiences of the dramatist this detachment is so complete that at first glance every trace of the dramatist seems to have been erased but there are many passages besides the famous lines descriptive of the grove at colonus which betray the personality behind the plays and studied more closely the very detachment of the drama from the dramatist is significant of character in the poise harmony and balance of these beautiful creations there is revealed the instinct for proportion the self-control and the subordination of the parts to the whole which betray nature committed by its very instincts to be a passionate devotion to beauty in one of the poems of our own century which belongs in the first rank of artistic achievements in memoriam the highest themes are touched with the strength of one who knows how to face the problems of life with impartial and impersonal courage and with the tenderness of one whose own heart has felt the immediate pressure of these tremendous questions so every great work whether personal or impersonal in intention conveys to the intelligent reader an impression of the thought behind the skill and of the character behind the thought goethe frankly declared that his works constituted one great confession all work is confession and revelation as well end of chapters one and two recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida